He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question one more time. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tario. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. Welcome to a Tuesday Drive, where it feels good to be back in this chair. And much like Steph Curry in the past week, I went out and got me a ring. Uh, polite golf clap. Thanks to Dave Pulaski and BDOT for filling in for me the last couple of shows. We're not going to spend a heck of a lot of time on the wedding except for story time in Graham's grades about 10 minutes from now. But let's get to the Charlotte Hornets, who, unlike me, got left at the altar by Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson. I actually think this news is a blessing in disguise for Charlotte. And no, I'm not trying to be like a good best man in a tough spot trying to tell Michael Jordan, the groom, what he wants to hear. Just trying to pick him up. No, I'm being honest here. I think this is going to end up working out best for the Hornets. But before we get into the why on that, let's hear the why on Atkinson reneging on his agreement to become the Charlotte coach. Here's Steve Kerr at the Golden State Victory Parade yesterday when asked about it. We're in a great place. We've got great players. We live in a beautiful part of the country. Kenny's got two kids, you know, teenagers who um, really wanted to stay. And I think it's a really difficult thing to try to take a job in the middle of the finals, you know, without really getting a chance to unwind. And I think, um, you know, over the course of the finals, he he just felt it. He felt like, you know what, this is not the best uh, time for my family and me to leave. So I'm glad that, that Kenny trusted his gut and hopefully Charlotte ends up with a great coach and everybody moves forward. But we're lucky to have him back. Yeah, I think it's going to turn out best for everybody. I think Charlotte is going to get a good coach. I've said it. All along in this process, I said it, the day that they hired Kenny Atkinson, there are better candidates out there than Kenny Atkinson. Maybe now Michael Jordan can do the godfather-like offer to Quinn Schneider. Reports out there suggest that Quinn probably wants to sit out a year and reassess things, but not if Michael Jordan is aggressive and gives him an offer he can't refuse, so to speak, an offer like Minnesota gave the Denver GM to go over that way, something that he absolutely could not turn down. Let's figure that piece out. Plus, if you bring in Quinn Schneider, you wouldn't have to do the awkward thing where you crawl back to Dan Tony or Terry Stotts and say, you know, I actually thought you guys were really good. You guys are a good option. Yeah, you know, don't worry about the fact that we hired someone over you, even though we interviewed you guys. Starting the relationship out with tension. But the news today related to Charlotte is that Mike D'Antoni, for the first time since the Kenny Atkinson news from over the weekend, met with Michael Jordan, continuing talks about the now open again Charlotte head coaching job. I think D'Antoni's a better fit than Atkinson. I do. He met with Jordan. I think Atkinson felt a lot like the hire of James Borrego a few years ago. You don't get that with D'Antoni. Atkinson is an assistant coach from a dynastic team, a developmental coach who's a bit unproven as a head coach. Does any of that sound familiar? 
Sounds a lot like JB. I want to see Charlotte take a swing. I want to see Charlotte go for it. I want to see what it looks like when that happens. You've got good players. You have all NBA caliber guys, or at least younger players that could develop into such. I want to see a coach go for it. I want it to be fun. The bar's not that high for Charlotte Hornet basketball. Let's be honest about it. The golden days of Hornet basketball with Zoe and Muggsy Bugs and all those guys, Dell Curry and company, resulted in one second round appearance. The bar's low. Take a swing. See where you end up. Plus, I think D'Antoni is what's best for the mellow ball. That should be the primary question. The Hornets ask when they're making any type of significant decision. What's best for LaMelo? What's LaMelo going to like? This is the future of our franchise. This is the face of our franchise. And who better to equip LaMelo Ball than the guy who turned Steve Nash from a all-star caliber player to a back-to-back MVP player the two first seasons he spent with D'Antoni and Phoenix? Or James Harden, who was an all-star caliber player the second or third fiddle to Russell Westbrook and KD in Oklahoma City, but once paired with D'Antoni in Houston, became an MVP in his second year under D'Antoni. That's the guy I want to pair LaMelo Ball with, and it could produce some very fun results. I think it's going to end up being D'Antoni. That's not much of a hot take, but what might be seen as a hot take today is that is an upgrade over what they had before Kenny Atkinson backing out on being the coach of the Hornets going to end up being a blessing of disguise in disguise for Charlotte on Twitter at WSJS radio. You are listening to WSJS news talk sports. The WD will Dalton, the executive producer of this show is taking your calls at three, three, six, seven, 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 one, six hundred. The big news in the last hours that Rob Gronkowski just announced his retirement. Sure. I've got a sneaky suspicion that this retirement is written in pencil, just like his last one was, and just like the one his quarterback uh, said, announced earlier this year, only to two months later decide he's going to be playing again. I think we'll see him either at the end of camp or during the season at some point when Tampa Bay is inevitably first place in the NFC South atop the Panthers or whoever else and might be a Super Bowl contender again. So I don't think it's the last time we've seen Gronk. The most talked about headline of the day, though, is in the world of golf, where Brooks Kepka announced he's leaving the PGA Tour to join Live Golf, becoming the 10th major champ to jump ship. This might be the least surprising of the defections, and I think it barely qualifies as news. Think about who we're talking about here. How many guys on tour before today more dislikable than Brooks Kepka. How many? There are only two names I can think of. Like this news, all the other guys are worried about, what about my image? What's going to happen if I join Live Golf? It's going to hurt my brand. Brooks Kepka's thinking, well, they already don't like me. What do I care? The only two guys on tour I can think of that are more dislikable than Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, both of which have already jumped ship to Live. So this felt inevitable that Brooks was going to join. He didn't have much to lose, all the money in the world to gain, and he has no allegiance to the PGA Tour. 
And I don't even mean that as a knock. It's just true. People tell you who they are. Believe them. He, he's the same guy who said this a couple of years ago when talking about his priorities during the PGA Tour season. I just practice before the majors. Regular tournaments, I don't practice. When, if you see me on TV, that's when I play golf. that guy you think i'm practicing the week of the Wyndham championship we love the Wyndham. brooks kepka doesn't love the Wyndham. nah that's not what he's about so of course he's going to leave i am concerned for pro golf i am concerned for the pga tour but i don't blame the golfers in the end these are not salaried employees by the league these are independent contractors and independent contractors, they're just looking for opportunities to make money wherever they see fit. And I'm not going to knock them for doing the same thing that our government does. Business with Saudi-backed governments and et cetera. Not going to get too caught up in the weeds there. Other sports, we don't really have much issue with this either. Whether it's the NBA with China or the EPL and soccer with the Saudis as well, et cetera, et cetera. But I do worry about the field for an event like the Wyndham because many of the guys who are jumping ship to live golf who are right now suspended by the PGA Tour are many of the same names that draw folks, normal golf fans, here in the Carolinas to an event such as the Wyndham at Sedgefield. That is less than two months away. So that is my concern. Not blaming the golfer, but... It is creating a bit of a problem in golf. Brian Geisiger going to join us later this hour. We'll try to out-precise the guys, or at least I'll try to out-precise the guys. I'm going to try to recap my own wedding in the best way I know how to do so. By attaching letter grades to it. Including, here's the tease. One for the first 15 seconds of my life as a husband. Graham's grades are next on the drive. You're on the air. Wake up with Jeffrey Griffin and Triad today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. I don't think this is going to have much impact on his case with the NFL. But the Sean Watson did something he probably should have done two years ago. And that's try to settle a lot of these lawsuits. 20 of the 24 that were actually filed against him, officially filed, have been settled according to the uh, accuser's lawyer, Tony Busby in Houston. You might be thinking, wasn't the number bumped up to 26 a few weeks ago? It was, but those two weren't officially filed yet. We'll see if they're ever filed at all. But 20 of the 24 officially filed lawsuits Deshaun Watson has settled. We'll get into more football in about 15 minutes. Maybe even a story related to a Cleveland quarterback when that time comes. But right now, I'm going to recap my nuptials the best way I know how. By attaching letter grades to it in Graham's grades. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. We don't need no education. Who passed? 
pass the test. If one of y'all says some silly ass name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know. Josh Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending and a know-it-all. Hey, Time for Graham's Grades. I think Dot did a nice job recapping things yesterday, don't you think, WD? He did great, man. Bet you learned a lot about it. You're going to learn more now, including the areas that did not so did not go as great as they could have, in my opinion. A through F, starting with the very good. A. The power of hip-hop music. All throughout the day. I was listening to soft, meaningful music. There were love songs featured in it, gospel music even at times. And I realized about an hour and a half before the wedding, man, I'm starting to get anxious. I'm starting to feel the gravity of the moment. So how do you fix that? I stepped out of my mini mansion that we have for the groom's quarters, walked out into this beautiful gardenous area, and surrounded by my groomsmen, I started playing Mo Bamba by Sheck West <laughs> and Nuck If You Buck. Of course. And all these others. And I'll tell you what, it was like I was going back to my playing days as an athlete. Uh-huh. When I had to take the pictures before we walked out there and, you know, the entire process, I went from a place of being anxious to jacked, like psyched. Love it ready to go, ready to run through a wall. And I give a lot of credit to Sheck West. <laughs> Trap rap, <laughs> hip hop, completely changed the vibe in the head of yours truly. And then at the actual, uh, at the uh, reception, Nuck If You Buck played right after, that was my one requirement, if you will remember, right after the band finished up, everybody went nuts during that. And then Dot went on stage and swag surfed with everybody, which was not planned. It was impromptu. It, the song started to play. I turned around. I saw Dot. I told him to assemble his yes, people. Yes, assemble your people. That's <laughs> what I told him to do. And that's what he did. He assembled his people. The power of hip hop. That is A on the list here. B. Mick Mixon's dancing. It was his 11th wedding anniversary, so we let the band know. And they dedicated Love Shack, B-52s. Actually, who sings the who sings Love Shack? Look that up. I think it is the B-52s. Could be wrong on that. That was a little bit before my time. But uh, Mick Mixon and his lovely wife Dawn. It's the b 52 Thank you. Went out and they broke it down. Oh, it was impressive work. I don't know how versatile... Mick Mixon's ability as a dancer is, but he used to be a drummer and used to be in a handful of bands. That's a showman right there. That's what you get for being a color commentator for Carolina basketball and football for 15 plus years and then being the voice of the Panthers for the last 17 before retiring. He still got it. Mick Mixon's dancing's a big C. My brother's best man speech. Now, if he's listening to this, let me be clear. It's an A in my heart. But this is why it's a C on Graham's grade. It was too long. He didn't follow the five B's of public speaking. Do you know the five B's of public speaking? B. Brief. Brief. Brother. B. Brief. Right. He didn't listen to that. He went well over the five minutes. <laughs> and there were points where I was pretty worried. In fact, 
he he used my advice against me and and mentioned it in the actual speech josh told me only to go two to five minutes but guess what and he told me not to mention this story oh great oh he's gonna tell about the time where one of his friends gave me a brownie that i thought was an actual brownie but not a brownie that you should be eating I thanks see. thanks for doing that he started strong great joke he said he uh was so happy sarah bradford was going to get something that she always wanted another name <laughs> great joke to start out Absolutely. and an excellent finish to the deal where he found the baseball that i got signed i didn't know existed anymore mm -hmm. from 2004 that I got signed at a Kingsport Mets minor league baseball game signed by Mookie Wilson. Now, the thing is, I thought he was just going to tell the story and ha ha ha, here's a story about Josh and his love of sports, whatever. But then he signaled over my dad who threw the ball across to him and my brother barehanded it to close the thing out. Gave me the hug and the baseball. A great finish to the best man speech. D. The day after the wedding... I felt like a truck had hit me. My legs were so tired. See, I have my Apple Watch, and usually your goal is to get to 30 on the minutes walked or minutes exercise meter. The Friday and Saturday, I was at both like over 70 on that scale. So your boy was tired. And the only reason it's not enough is because uh, Sarah Bradford's parents had this tremendous brunch planned that was incredibly delicious. So... Aside from that, the day after the wedding, it, it was exhausting. I'm glad I took yesterday off because I needed it. F. My first 15 seconds as a husband. Oh, geez. So, I now pronounce you man and wife. Nobody brought this up to me at the reception. Nobody the day after. Nobody's texted me or told me about this who was there. So, it seems like nobody has picked this up, but I'm going to tell on myself right now. As I went to lift up Sarah Bradford's hand in celebration that we just got married, as we're about to walk down the aisle, I may or may not have accidentally punched her in the face. <laughs> I could tell she noticed. I don't think anybody else noticed. I told her I was going to be doing Poor this segment girl. today, and she was worried. What, what are you doing uh, for F? What's F going to be? Just like she was one of the no. How about you. the time I punched you in the face? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can make that an F. F. Uh-huh. Poor girl. It's true. Poor girl. I accidentally got her right in the <laughs> right in the face. Welcome to the Graham, sweetheart. No. <laughs> yeah. The beginning and the end of my brother's speech was great, by the way. And it was A-plus in my heart. But uh, he didn't follow Be Brief, Brother, Be Brief, or any of the advice, and used it against me. So there you go. I'm getting text already from my family. Jordan's speech was A+++. Plus, plus. <laughs> I think it's from my dad. The baseball know. thing is great. Yeah, it really was. Using props? Yeah. I'm pro-prop. Hey, Triad, this is Rich Eisen. Catch me this evening at 6 for The Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Brian Eisinger now joining us. It's crazy. I don't know how many consecutive weeks we've been doing this all throughout college basketball season and the NBA season, which closed up last year. 
But it's about time for summer vacation. I know I got a honeymoon next week, so ahead of time, we really do appreciate the visits and the insight, as always, Brian Geisiger. And you're always welcome in your old stomping grounds of the triad. BG, let's talk ACC before we get to the NBA. Pete Nance, officially a Tar Heel, going to be wearing the number 32 that was worn by Luke May, and I forget who was the transfer from a few years ago that wore that number. I didn't oh, really play that. One well. from William and Mary. Yeah, uh, Justin. Yeah. Oh shoot, I can't remember his name. He was on the very bad team in yeah. 2019. Justin Pierce, the great Justin yeah. Pierce, wore that number. So let's uh, break that piece of it down first. How does Pete Nance fit in with the Tar Heels? Do you like this move? Yeah, it's an awesome move. Um, Pete Nance is super good and a guy that, you know, very easily could have kept his name in the draft. You know, I'm not sure he would have been selected, but certainly someone that would have gotten, you know, a summer league invite and, uh, you know, you know, maybe even an exhibit 10 contract and, you know, worked his way into the NBA off of that. He's a very good player who I've seen a fair amount of the last two seasons at Northwestern. Um, you know, he's not the same kind of shooter as Brady Manick. You know, there aren't a lot of guys that height 6'9", 6'10", that can run around and shoot that well off of movement. But Nance is an excellent shooter. He can also shoot off of movement, pick and pops, relocations, that type of stuff. Um, they're going to find ways to utilize him in the high-low game with Armando Bacop, much like they did with, with Brady Manick this Armando. past season. No. Exactly. And that was like the nexus of North Carolina's half-court offense last year. And now you bring in someone like Pete Nance. He's an even better passer. And he can shoot. And he can put the ball on the deck a little bit, too, and pass and be a handoff guy. You can use that handoff action to help guys like R.J. Davis and Caleb Love and Seth Trimble get open and get downhill. And then when, when Baycott hits the bench, then you can slide Nance to the five and – run all your stuff and make it and be, be dynamic, be tough to guard because you've got a guy in the middle that you that can shoot. So you can play five out. You got a guy in the middle that can slip and dive to the rim off of handoffs. So like last season when Baycott sat, North Carolina's half court offense couldn't, could never get North South. They had no one to really like cave in the defense with, uh, with post-ups or with dive to the rim out of the pick and roll. Now with Pete Nance, you have someone like that. And you can run offense through him at the elbow or in the high post or in the low post. Cause again, handoffs, passes, all that good stuff. I broke these uh, last month, actually, when he was still in the draft process, I did a big breakdown piece at accsports.com where I like looked at some of the sets they ran with Brady Manick this past season and how Pete Nance could very easily fit into those exact same sets. So I would recommend people checking that out if you'd like to maybe have an idea of some of the ways that Hubert Davis may want to scheme Pete Nance, but Pete Nance also does stuff that Brady Manning couldn't do. So there's probably some stuff we haven't even seen yet in terms of the X and O's and the playbook uh, with how Pete Nance could be unlocked, but it's a great pickup. That's one of the best starting fives in college basketball now with Love, Davis, Leaky Black, Pete Nance, and Baycott. Brian Geisinger's on Twitter at bgeis underscore bird. I'll second, you should read his breakdowns at accsports.com. Getting to the NBA, we're a couple days away from the NBA draft. I feel like I would be, you know, misusing you to, to just limit you to the top four guys who are getting the most burn 
talking about Paulo and Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren and Jaden Ivey. If I go past those top four, who's the guy Brian Geisinger is most convinced is going to be a great pro? There's a, well, that can go in a lot of different directions because like great pro is still like a, you know, someone that plays in the league for a long time and starts. And there's a lot of guys that I feel that way. Do you about. see anybody who could be an all-star in that next yeah. group? I, you know, potentially someone like, um, someone like Jalen Duran out of Memphis, maybe AJ Griffin from Duke. Um, you know, we saw the isolation scoring and the three point shooting, and the deep shooting range out of him this season you're not concerned uh, about the injuries and the defense potentially uh, dropping them a bit certainly but like this is the draft man like it's uh we're taking we're you know we're trying to be educated and stuff but at the end of the day like talent wins out and you're going to take chances and he's got a lot of talent um someone like blake wesley at notre dame is fascinating too the finishing numbers at the rim weren't very good this season but the creation upside um, his ability to to create advantage, to get downhill, to make plays, the shot versatility. Like there maybe is some star potential there as well. Heck, if Jaquavion Smith had kept his name in the draft, he's one of those guys that if you had asked me this question for players outside of the lottery, I would have said Jaquavion perhaps has the ability to, to do something like that. Um, I would even look at someone like Jeremy Sohan, who like isn't there as far as the shot. Love him. Like a go-to scoring necessarily right now, but his feel for the game, his court awareness, his vision as a passer, his ability to to slash and get to that left hand. And then just like what he brings defensively, like all the tools, the compete level, the length. And again, his just anticipation skills are so, so, so good. So like a different kind of star player, but like uh you know, like an Andre Iguodala star kind of player. You know what I mean? Where it's maybe not the 20 points per game, but it's, you know, you're filling up every box, be a box score category, plus giving a lot, you know, elite defense. So those are some other names I would maybe consider. And then next crew, along with one last to just throw in would be uh, Dyson Daniels, um, who played for the G League Ignite this season. Combo, you know, combo guard. Australian. Connector wing. Yeah, from Australia. Um, can just do a lot of different stuff and also has like, you know, big time upside uh, defensively. I'm a huge Sohan fan. Just go back and rewatch some of that Carolina Baylor game and you'll see it stretches. He's guarding Armando Baycott. And then later in the game, he's switching on to RJ Davis. Uh, Just a really good defensive player. Brian Geisinger is with us here. One last time here for the summer, we're going to play out precise the Geis. Who knows? Maybe I can go out with a win. Not very. Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham uh, is not. I'm smart. You're dumb. I'm big. You're little. I'm right. You're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to out precise the guys. I really hope you can get one, Josh, to to wrap this thing. No, you don't. I do. (laughs) Not true. You want BG to go out a winner. You know it. I know. I know everybody's against me. My back's against the wall. All right. What's next? Well, what are we doing here? Here we go. So one of the number one issues for the Celtics and the reason why they couldn't uh, handle their business against the Warriors was because of turnovers. And Jason Tatum actually set a record for turnovers in the playoffs with 100. My question is... So LeBron, he held the previous record 
back in the 2018 playoffs. How many turnovers did he have? Okay, so the record's 100. <laughs> yes. What was the previous record with LeBron? Yes. What did Tatum do? Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Um. Let's go 96. I got 93. It's 94. Look at you go, kid. Off to a good start. Off to a good start, but I know better. I know better than to be happy (laughs) about this start. I know better than that. Next up, in the spirit of draft week. Oh, Lord. Two of the, you know, guys that are supposed to be at the top of of the list here, Paolo Boncaro and Chet Holmgren. Paolo Boncaro outscored Chet Holmgren points per game. The question is, how many more points per game did Paolo have? than Chet this year. What these guys are. These guys are 1A, 1B on my my draft board, by the way. Um, I will say uh, plus plus three for Paolo. I got 1.8. It is (laughs) 3.1. Tied up. (laughs) So crazy. (laughs) Anytime you doubt him. It's like when NC State was up at halftime against Houston in 83. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is great. 15-0 run. <laughs> you just awoke Phi Jamma Slamma. <laughs> okay. BG needs a nickname like that. What's the last one we have? It Bry all comes Sale. down to this. Bry Slamma Jamma. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so even though the Warriors... Hold on a sec. Let that sit. Guy Slamma Jamma. Simmer for a minute. <laughs> Guy Slam Pajama <laughs> is excellent. That's great. All right. What is the last one? So even though the Warriors won it all, they actually did not lead the postseason in points per game as a team. Ooh. It was Memphis. Ooh. How many points per game did they have? Yeah, that. Ooh. I think that one game against Golden State might have skewed that. <laughs> yes, skewed things. That's what we like to call an outlier, folks. Um... <laughs> Yeah, don't let John Moran know that, uh, or it's going to be put up on Twitter here in a little bit. Uh, So how many points per game Memphis had? That's the question. All right, let's go. Oh, boy. Let's go 110 per game. I got 107. 112.5. Oh, no. Oh, no. PG's a winner. Yep. Oh, we'll uh, we'll visit with you intermittently during the yeah. summer when things are necessary. But yeah. any summer vacation plans you got? Yeah, like yeah, I mean, with summer league coming up, and you know, look, there's gonna be free agency stuff's gonna pop up. So I, I would hope to to talk to you guys around some more you know newsworthy things. But yeah, summer plans. Um, I know I'll be making uh, another trip out to uh, Colorado in September for Love a buddy's it. wedding. Um, other than that, I'm looking, I don't know, probably just laying low and, and trying to read a book every now and then because I've been, uh, I've been, it's been so basketball heavy for a while now. And it's, it, once the draft and free agency and summer league go by, it's time to, uh, it, it's time to, you know, focus on some other things here. Hashtag read a book. Brian Geisinger, Geislamajama, kind enough <laughs> to join us on the show. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. Thanks for doing this, Bunny. Yeah, you guys be good. This is it. You ready? All right, hold on. All right, do it, do it, do it. All right, listen up. It's The Drive with Josh Graham.
Hayes Permar of Sports Channel 8 joins us every single week to play skips or plays with Hayes. Will Dalton's telling me that he's getting Hayes' dumb voicemail where all it is is, Sorry you missed me. Sorry you missed me. And I feel like we're doing a disservice to anyone that would call Hayes Permar by bringing attention to it because he loves it. He loves the fact that we're annoyed by it and we think it's stupid and we're bringing it up on air. So we're enabling him to continue to do it. And as I'm saying all this, stalling to get Hayes back on the line, Hayes now joins the show from Sports Channel 8. Hi, Hayes. It's never changing. It's never changing. On Twitter at uh, DHPIV. Object- the voicemail is the greatest. It's the greatest. Objectively speaking, what was the highlight of the wedding for you this past weekend? Um, you know, it's, uh, you, I wish I had a funnier answer. I wish I could say, I, I I will say when you, when you tried to stick your tongue entirely down your wife's throat during the first kiss, um, I got a good chuckle. That was good. You guys went uh, hardcore there, but, uh, but now nah, the, the sentimental and true answer is, uh, seeing people, seeing friends, people that are that I'm connected with through you and that we're connected with through each other. Um, and then seeing the bride and groom happy and then seeing the people closest to them happy. But um, reconnecting with old friends, having fun, dancing with David Glenn and uh, his wife, Maria, partying with you and BDOT um, and uh, Sarah Bradford and uh, meeting her great family. I, again, uh, uh, for, for many reasons, I may be in a sentimental mood today, Josh Graham, not just because of your wedding this weekend, but uh, that is the sentimental and the true answer is seeing all the people and uh, and definitely seeing everybody happy. Is there, such a great day. is there anything you'd like to share with us? Uh, no, 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 nothing. Uh, no, it's just a, a day to celebrate people as the weekend was. Understood. On Twitter at DHPIV, it's Hayes Permar with us of Sports Channel 8. Later in this segment, or at least sometime in the next 30 minutes, and we're only on for another 30 minutes, we have one more pair of tickets we're going to be giving away to go see Motley Crue and Def Leppard together at Bank of America Stadium a week from tonight. Def Leppard, pour some sugar on me. Huge hit at the wedding this past weekend. Huge hit. It was, and I believe, was that one that the DJ played during the break? Yes. Yeah, see, uh, I, I, the band was amazing, but I got to say credit to you and the whole crew who planned it. Um, I, I love a wedding vibe. Now, I was ready if needed to like get the dance vibe going. If you know, if, if B Dot and I needed to get the party going, but the party was going. Uh, so credit to everyone at your party that, uh, and the wedding that was ready to go. The band crushed it. You crushed it with the combo of band DJ. There were several key DJ songs that were songs that like the band wouldn't have been able to do properly. Um, like Nuck If You Buck, which I'm sure you've already bragged about playing at your wedding today on the show. Uh, but uh, but no, it, it really, it was all well-timed, well-coordinated, uh, and you nailed it. You did a great part. There was only one, shoot, I wrote it, wrote it down. Sweet oh, Caroline? No, 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 I didn't even mind Sweet Caroline. Like, you know, play the hits, whatever. But uh, the, the Great Pretender came out kind of randomly in the middle of like uh, a bunch of other like high groove songs. That was the only like, you know, where, where are we doing this? That, that was, uh, that was their Matthew Fitzpatrick driving into the sand on 18 
Uh, and it maybe looked like they may put the U.S. Open uh, in jeopardy, but they came through in the clutch. Um, a lot of great beach music tunes. You know you're playing the right tunes when Mick Mixon is up there dancing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was one – oh, and then the only other thing that my question was, they buried their the best singer was the dude who came out and did Don't Stop Believing. Yes. Not my favorite wedding song, but I get it. I, I can see to the people that just want to hear that song. It's, it's got its place. But that guy came out and wailed, and I felt bad. I'm like, oh, the, the saxophonist might be the best singer here. But again, overall, great band, great party. Uh, you, you couldn't have done any better. So congratulations. And not, not to mention all the, you know, the normal stuff about great wife and all that stuff. But uh, you, you know me, I'm here to evaluate your wedding party. And, uh, and it pl- passed with flying colors. Congratulations, Josh. I hope you never get divorced. But if you do, I would go to your next wedding. Skips or plays. That's a great transition into <laughs> getting into some music with our guy, Hayes Permar. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and little Trick. Mike and trip. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. And Hayes... I chose the songs today and okay we're gonna start with a song that really got the people going and by people i mean myself it is crime mobs knuck if you buck <laughs> what you don't know permar i was listening to sentimental meaningful songs all day from 6.30 to about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But then I really started to feel anxious as a result. So I turned this song on and Mo Bamba by Sheck West. And no longer was I anxious. I was jacked. I was excited and ready to go. I was ready to run through a wall. And I give right, so Nuck if you Buck a lot of credit. Look, it worked at your wedding. It worked for you. I'm not taking anything away. And again, I already gave credit. I probably should have saved some of my review if I knew that this is how we were going to do the song. But no, much credit for your uh, the the DJ numbers or whatever the 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 um, the non live music played was a perfect compliment to the excellent band. And this was one of them. But this just gives the place with Hayes. And personally. I've just never felt that song. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing, and I just don't think it hits as hard as, like, uh, you know, Hit em Up by Tupac. Um, so, Nuck If You Buck, I'm skipping it. Hate it. That was the one request I had of the DJ. Like, know, months in advance was Nuck If You Buck, and we got it at the end, which made me happy. Next again, song. Again, it, worked, it worked for you. It worked for you. I'm, I, it's fine. It was good. Okay. So, Hayes Permar said about a year ago at this time, this next song was a skip as a first dance song. But after seeing the first dance, we're going to try this again. The Luckiest by Ben Folds is up next. Don't get many things right the first time. You're on in Winston-Salem, Hayes. All right, here's the thing. You, you cheated. You knew that I had you nailed on, like, maybe I shouldn't go all ballads. So you guys had like a coming into your first dance song, and what, what was that? It was like this. This, what was it? Would, this would be, be maybe ever yeah. 
And you even, and like maybe you even did a little dance to that to like you did that into the luckiest. And uh, shout out the band, they did a great job of that too. You knew that's one they had to add special for you. And then I felt like you guys did another unofficial first dance when it was like time to party again. None of that was planned. Neither of those two things you're giving me credit for was planned. I don't know. I feel like you tried to get away with having three first dance songs, two of which were upbeat, to sandwich in your ballad in between there. So, like, well done on the presentation, but I'm still not giving it to you. This is a skip. You still need one more upbeat song. I'm sticking to my guns, my philosophy. Obviously, to each his own in a wedding, but it skips a place with Hayes, and I'm skipping Ben Folds, even though he's my favorite. That's what I was thinking about in the moment. I did the dip kiss at the end, and I was thinking Permar is going to think this is awesome. I won him over. That's it. I thought I, I won say, him over. I will say I was honored when my uh, when my picture uh, of the wedding reception. Obviously, you got to wait for the official wedding photography, but you got all your friends just dropping, you know, their uh, their phone pics or whatever. My picture made it not only to the Instagram story, obviously instantly, but I believe mine became the Instagram picture that you first put out of yes, like the party. So it's a uh, great picture. It was just. I, I, I did. I try not to go over overly camera up. I try and be in the moment. But uh, something about the lighting and uh, and just everybody was standing around. That, that was like a, you guys had another solo. How many solo dances did you guys get? Unbelievable. But yeah, what's the third song? The third song is what was the father bride song? How sweet it is by James Taylor. I wasn't going to choose my song with my mom because it was, uh, I just weeped during the entire thing. It was, uh, <laughs> what was it? I Hope You Dance by Liam Womack. No shot. My mom was saying to me while the bride and the and her dad were dancing, we don't have anything planned. And I'm like, mom, it's okay. Knowing that if we had anything planned, I wouldn't be able to do it. So, yeah, I, I, I was a crybaby. Um, okay, forget your crying aside. How sweet it is. That is a play. Great song uh, for first dance. Hey, Spermar. But there's also, I feel like the, the band was playing a more hip upbeat. There's some uh, other versions of that song. I, can't, I don't know if it's Sam and Dave that does How Sweet It Is. There's somebody, there's like a 60s soul version of it that if you listen to it, you're like, oh, that's more like what the band was playing. Um, uh, um, um, an even more like rocking your version of uh, How Sweet It Is to Be Loved by You. So. Uh, that's a great song, big old play. Permar, on the way out, how do I – so the NS in May is next Monday. We're going to be broadcasting live from it. And Darren Vaught, Will Dalton, Dot, we're all going to be there. And uh, Barkley is going to be there too. How do I – I want to talk to Chuck. I feel like I got something in my bag that most people who walk up to Chuck don't have in terms of saying sure. – Hey, you called me an idiot on TV. How should I approach this? I mean, I feel like that's exactly what you're going to do, right? Like, I, I, you've thought, you've clearly thought about it. That's exactly what you're going to do. You say, "Hey, you called me an idiot on TV. I just want to meet you. I'm Josh Graham, and I have no doubt that you will, and that it'll appear on your show. That's going to happen." Should we get someone to video uh, the exchange, or is Chuck going to see a camera and think that's not cool? Um, I would for the first intro. I would not video it. That that's just me. Um, I don't know. Your 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 style has always been uh, uh, take no prisoners. I don't care if I'm not supposed to talk to this person and videotape it. I'll do it anyway. So uh, you you got to do a Josh Graham style, but uh, but definitely approach him. But I would say leave the camera for later. Like you said, lest he think it's 
it's just a uh, about the camera moment and not about you just wanted to meet Charles Barkley because he's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. If we have a good exchange, maybe we can get a picture. Maybe I could say, hey, yep. do you mind doing a 10-second video with me? Something like that. Uh, yeah, or 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 you could just have that much more time that you took to take the picture of the video to just yap it up with Charles Barkley, that, and then you too. can just tell the story, and uh, and you'll have it forever. Yeah, that's a good good idea as well. Uh, Hayes Permar, um, I don't know the next time I'll be speaking with you because my honeymoon starts in a week, and it's going to run through the next two weeks. So I hope uh, you enjoy the rest of your June and the 4th of July, and uh, I'll talk to you after that, I guess. Will do, and uh, once again, it was an honor to be at your wedding, Josh Graham. It was great to see your dad, as always, mm-hmm. and your mom, but, uh, but I know your dad a little bit better. So, uh, Officer Scott Graham's always great to see him, and great to be hosted by uh, Sarah Bradford's mother and father as well. So, uh, thanks so much for having us at the wedding, and uh, appreciate all your listeners being uh, indulging us as we talk, as we reviewed it during the segment today, yeah. man. I'll talk to you soon. Right. You deserve see it. See you, man. Appreciate that, Hayes.